Would you open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter one, verse 38. I'm gonna show you a video right while you're turning there. And I want you to know ahead of time, this is sideways. And I debated on whether to show this or not. And here's the only reason I'm showing it right now. Moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas, when you are videotaping your children this year, hold the phone this way, okay? Yeah, don't move it. Because here's what happens. I want to show you this video. We actually took a KitchenAid mixer down. One of our conduits gave this to Place of Hope. And they got this amazing video of it. But she, she held the phone this way, which means that our machine imports it sideways. So that's why you're about to see this sideways. But it's worth just seeing the look on her face. So celebrate that, that we were able to give this. uh, That's Janet. She cooks three meals a day for 35 to 50, depending staff, whatever people a day. And they do it on nothing. Um, Three times a day, three meals a day. So we we're like, after we did all the remodeling last year, my, my wife, who is a, uh, loves to cook, um, took the, uh, opportunity to bless their kitchen, uh, with it this year. So that's what we're doing. And that's the look of Janet who just got a KitchenAid mixture for the first time for the kit, Place of Hope kitchen. So anyway, hold your phone sideways. Um, <laughs> did you find the book of Luke yet? Chapter one, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me, as you have said, may it be unto me according to your word as one of the translations, and then the angel departed. The the angel appeared to Mary and said, look, this is the plan of God for your life. And she had an option to say yes or no because our God is good. He doesn't force himself on any of us. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. Would you pray with me? That's the word of God this morning. Father, we ask for your wisdom and, and truth to, to just infiltrate our hearts and our souls this morning. Pray that your word becomes light and a lamp to us. And for those that are traveling today, Lord, would you be with them and their families wherever they are? And for those even among us today, Lord, who maybe Christmas is a struggle, I pray that you would just, your peace that passes understanding would be with all of us. Lord, we are not living our best life now. That is to come. <laughs> this is the life that you've given us here, but someday we will live our best life in eternity with you. And on this side of heaven, Lord, the message of Christmas is that you came, you, you took the medicine that we take. You became one of us, which means that whether we're happy or sad, whether we're angry or glad, that you are, Lord, you experienced all of that just like we do. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. <sighs> that prayer, the be it unto me according to your word, is one of the most important prayers and postures that any of us can do. And the truth of the matter is this, whether it's be it unto me according to thy word, whether it's you know uh, not my will but thine be done, whether it's in Jesus' own words from the cross, Lord, into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit, Like those are the words of a prayer that we are all praying, whether it's to God or not. That we are all living a be it unto me according to somebody's words. Remember we talked last week about the the social media that we click the I agree to the terms and conditions 
That is me handing my, quite literally my life over to a social media company. The whole thing. This week, um, Carol uh, Weaver was cutting my hair and it, it, the way it looks this morning is not Carol's fault. This is just me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. So, but anyway, but Carol cut my hair and we're talking about her son who's a pilot and I say, uh, you know, uh, Mission Aviation is this great organization. We talked about Mission Aviation for about 10 minutes and I swear to you, an hour later on Instagram, there's an ad for Mission Aviation Fellowship to donate to them. Now I know they say they ain't listening. But you tell me, <laughs> Mission Aviation Fellowship, I don't think I've ever said that out loud, especially near my phone. But anyway, the point being that the minute I've signed this over to them, I've, I have said I agree to the terms and the conditions. And this operating system is only doing what I have said I agreed that it could do for me. Now, that's just for our technology companies. But for all of us, even if you're an atheist, you are living according to some sort of a religion that says, be it unto me according to the words of science, be it unto me according to the words of our culture. Most of us pray the prayer, be it unto me according to my words. Like, I hear, God, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Here's some things I will and won't do. Here are, here's my list of what, it, be it unto me according to my words. But I want to show you from the story of Mary this morning that you have this opportunity to live according to his words unto us. And it'll be, uh, the smiley preacher from Houston says, it's your best life now. It's not. Heaven is our best life, right? And that that is your best life, which is to come. And if this is your best life now, I feel sorry for you. Because even the best day on heaven in earth is, is nothing compared to what is to come for us. And so for us, as we are living according to somebody's words, I want to show you that the words that Jesus has for you didn't start at the moment when Mary for her, like, you know that when the, the angel appeared, that wasn't the first time that God thought of that, right? Like, he didn't think, oh, okay, we're getting close. Let's figure out who, who we got here. What do we got? No, the, the promise of the word is that you were, Ephesians 2.10, that you have been redeemed, that you have been prepared for good works that he had prepared for you in advance. And how far in advance do you think he started? For, for the words, you know, you Christian, what are you, are you, how old are you, Christian? 10. And you're sitting with us today? Huge brownie points for Christian. <laughs> God prepared words for Christian in advance before she was ever born. Now, how far before? Ephesians 1, Paul says, before the foundations of the earth. Think about how big God is. We say he's infinite. And infinite means that we actually can't understand it. Like, a God that's big enough to be understood, you understand, is not big enough to be worshipped. I don't remember who said that. I would gladly give them credit. But I just don't remember. So if you want to Google it and shout it out, I'll <laughs> give them credit for it. But that's the truth. And when I think to... Hey, hey there's Bud. Were you in here when I just made fun of you in the tent? Okay, sorry, Bud. <laughs> Before the foundations of the earth, God had a plan for Bud's life. I would have said it anyway with Bud in here. I just was... If you don't know Bud Abbott, I swear you're missing out on your life. This guy's understanding and depth of scripture is bar none. I have, come, I have scheduled meetings as much as I can with Bud just so I can listen to him talk about the word of God. Before the foundations of the earth, God had a plan for Bud. Now let's think about that with Mary. I want to show you how it worked with Mary, and then I want to show you how it worked with us. And the fact of the matter is, is that 
the, the main question that would come up immediately when I say, beat unto me, according to thy word, is do I even have a choice in the matter then? By the way, that's not a conversation that's just happening in the halls of Bible colleges, but it's actually happening in the halls of academia right now. Have you heard about this? That there is a theory floating around in scientific circles right now that you do not have free will, that you are, everything you do is determined. Okay, now doesn't that sound like the Calvinism versus Armenian debate? But it's way different than that because they're saying, these scientists are saying that your genetics, that who you are, who you were made to be, you don't have a choice in, which I would agree with that. I didn't, if I would have chosen to be born looking, I would have chosen a lot different. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't have a choice. This was the hand I was dealt. But they would take it a step further and say, hey, Darren, not only do you look like Alec Baldwin, but you don't have a choice in what you, anything, the, the food that I ate before, I don't have a choice because my brain made me do it. Free will is just an illusion. That your genetics, and here's what that says. They actually did a bunch of research on this. They've started this years ago. But what they're saying in this research is that because of that, well, here's what they say. Those that believe in free will versus determinism, they started running tests on people. They split up groups into two groups, one that says that I believe in free will and one that was told that there is no such thing, that everything you do is determined. Would it affect their behavior? Short answer, absolutely. It says when we took a math test, we asked these students to take a math test with cheating made easy, the group primed to see free will as an illusion proved more likely to take an illicit peek at the answers. When given an opportunity to steal, to take more money than they were due from an envelope of a dollar coins, those whose belief in free will had been undermined and pilfered more. On a range of measures, Vose, who was the scientist, that's a psychologist that set this up, she and Schooler, who was her co-psychologist, found that people who are induced to believe less in free will are more likely to behave immorally. And she goes on to say, I mean, basically the point of this story, we don't have time for it, but the point of this story was that these scientists are saying that, look, free will isn't something that we have, but let's not know that because if we know that, then we'll, we'll behave immorally. So let's just lie to everybody and say that there's no such thing. Isn't that f fascinating? Now, here's the problem with that. They're saying that we don't have free will, not because there's a God that's orchestrating your steps. They're saying it just because of your purely your genetic makeup of who you are. In fact, they go so far as to say that this is the opposite of saying that there is because these people would say, we don't even believe you have a conscience, there is no soul, that you are just the results of these synapses firing in your brains. And of course, what it ultimately means is that it's not your fault that you were born this way, that any crime you can't be held accountable for because you just didn't know any better. You just, you just did what you were, had no choice. Be it unto me according to those words, according to science, that I have no choice in this matter. No, no, that's not the choice that God gives us. With Mary, I want to take you through what I call the Mary funnel. Because Mary was born, by the way, with a set of genetics. She was born with her heredity. Heredity, is that the word? Heredity? With ancestry.com. If she would have clicked ancestry.com and spent her little 1999, and it could have taken her all the way back to her origins. Which, by the way, I think that's one of the reasons why these companies like 23andMe and Ancestry.com are so popular, as that at the core of who we are, we want to know, where do we come from? Because attached to that somewhere is this purpose in my life. And Mary's purpose, when you look at Matthew and you look at Luke, they both have a genealogy of Mary. And both of them 
say that as this gets smaller and smaller and smaller, that the choices get fewer and fewer and fewer. And it funneled down over thousands of years to a point where I wanna show you that I think that Mary was the only one that could have said yes or no to this. She was the only one in the same way that you are the only one who can say yes or no to what God has for your life. And I'm telling you, the rest of the world, just like Mary, they're waiting on you. They're counting on you to do it. So Mary, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 3.15, the first mention of the gospel, the seminaries, the people with the MDivs call it the proto-evangelicum. If I spent that much money on a degree, I would call it that too, but I didn't. So it's just the first mention of the gospel. It's 3.15 says that her seed will crush your head, speaking to Satan. And at that moment, the plan was unfolded from the foundations of the earth. The plan began. That it wouldn't only be from Eve and her side, but it would be from a female who, there's, there's children here. The, the female doesn't have a seed in, in the Hebrew of this. It was speaking not only of her, but of her seed being a virgin, that she giving birth, that that was the promise. And it started in the garden of Eden. And it went from there after the flood, Noah survives with his family. And it says there that, hey, and I think it's verse 26, that Shem, it would be through the family of Shem. So immediately God eliminates 50% of the population, says it will be from a female. And then he goes down to saying, it's not just going to be a female, it'll be a female from the family of, of Shem. And time goes on, hundreds of years in Genesis and chapter 12, verse one, a guy named Abram was told that it would be through your family. But Abram, trying to help God out like I do in his enthusiasm, gives birth to a son named Ishmael. And at one point he prays, God, let Ishmael be the one. Don't let it need. God said, no, it can't be. It's gonna be through the promise, through the miraculous, through Jacob. And Jacob... Actually, Isaac, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. It would be through Isaac. <laughs> I'll get it right for second service, how about that? <laughs> through Isaac, and then Isaac, of course, would marry Rebecca, and they would have twins, and it was Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, the prophecy was that it would be through Jacob, but Esau was born first, but then there's this whole mix-up, but it does come through Jacob. And Jacob would try to marry, remember the story, he's gonna marry Rachel, so hard, she's so beautiful, she's so smoking hot. I wanna marry Rachel, and she, he ends up marrying Leah, and he thinks he's gotten so ripped off, and it's not possible, but he would give birth, she would give birth to a son named Judah, and Jesus would be a lion from the tribe of Judah. That it would be through that promise. That you see the funnel getting tighter and smaller and smaller? It would go on through Jesse, and Jesse would have, I think, eight sons, but it wasn't going to be through any of those except for David. And then, by the way, if you're astute and you're reading Matthew and Luke, you see that the genealogy splits off at David between Matthew and Luke. One of them goes to Nathan the son, and one of them goes to Solomon the son, but both of them, just like a fork in the road, come right back to Jesus. One was on Joseph's side, one was on Mary's side. So in the bloodline of Jesus himself, this was the prophecy that it wouldn't be just 50%, but it would be through this specific bloodline and it would be not only in this bloodline, but it would be in a town called Bethlehem. That's the prophecy. Problem is, is one of the other prophecies says that it was gonna be in a place called Nazareth, that he would be called a Nazarene. How do we possibly reconcile that Mary was from Nazareth, but Joseph from Bethlehem. And so when the government 
called for a census. God was moving the pieces. And just for those of you freaking out about the government, understand that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. I promise you, if I were Joseph, I would have complained the entire donkey ride to Bethlehem about (laughs) paying taxes. My pregnant wife have no idea. And Joseph maybe didn't have any idea that it would be someone from Bethlehem, from this little backwater town. And it would be a lady named Mary who was from Nazareth, even though it was from Bethlehem. You see how God was moving all this together? So not only was it gonna be a female, you understand the funnel, it's gonna be a female who had ties to Nazareth and to Bethlehem. And not only was it gonna be that, and we really don't have time for this, but if you wanna study this later, one of the most miraculous prophecies in scripture, fully revealed and fulfilled in Jesus, was in the book of Daniel. When the prophet came to Daniel and said, hey, after this prophecy, the, the call to go forth to rebuild Jerusalem, And it specifically speaks about walls and streets. There was a very specific prophecy about it so we would know that it was going to be fulfilled. That it's gonna be 62 sevens and then one extra seven. And it's, uh, 69 is the number, 69 weeks. And in biblical language, that means seven year periods. And if you factor in for the Jewish calendar, which only had 360 days, you factor in for leap years, the number would be 173,880 days from the moment that that call went out to the moment when Messiah would be revealed. Now, the beautiful thing about this prophecy is we actually know the date that it was given, that it was given March 14th, 445 BC. Like it's recorded, that's when it was given. And if you forward, and by the way, I didn't do this, but I researched it out and several people have done the math on this, 173,880 days from that moment, Jesus' whole life said, I, you know, as they were saying, we want you to be king. And he'd say, no, 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 not now, not now. The time has not come. But there was one moment when Jesus said, now is the time. Zephaniah talked about, behold your king riding on a donkey. And that day they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We call it Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was April 6th, 32 AD, the first one which is exactly 173,880 days from the moment that that decree went out to rebuild the city. Not only was she gonna need to be somebody from this bloodline, not only was she gonna need to be somebody from this town. By the way, in that town of Nazareth at that time, archeologists say there might have been 400 people tops. And in a town, anybody grew up in a little teeny tiny town? You know, if you got like 400 people in the whole town, that in that age bracket, I grew up in a town of 1,500. My graduating class had about 35 kids. So when you narrow a town of 400 down to the, the, she was gonna be a virgin, she needed to be in the bloodline of Christ, so would her husband, but she also, she would be betrothed to him, but not consummated yet, so that the prophecies could become fulfilled. I'm saying to you that I think that in that town of Nazareth, there was no plan B, it was Mary. There was no other one. And it had to be in that time frame, in the time frame that he said, and by the way, the prophecy of Daniel goes on to say, after the city is rebuilt, that it will be before the city is destroyed that Shiloh will be cut off, Messiah will be killed. So somewhere between that window of time, Messiah would have to come. When Mary said that day, be it unto me according to your words, 
I don't for a minute believe that God forced himself on her. I believe that all of heaven was leaning over saying, whoa, wait, is it, what's she gonna say? We don't have a plan B here. What's... And I understand the debate between free will Armenian Calvinism debate. If people ask me, what do you believe? Do you believe that God chose you? Do you believe a Calvinism view or do you believe an Armenian view? The answer from me, yes. Yes. When scripture backs up both views, then you either have a scripture that contradicts or a scripture that creates the paradox. And I believe that God thrives in paradox. Satan thrives in madness. God thrives in paradox. I can't understand that. It doesn't make God smaller it makes him bigger. And one day, it says, I will fully know as I am fully known. And in that day, in that moment, we'll understand all this. But in the meantime, all I know is that we have a God that gives you a choice to choose you this day whom you will serve in the same way that he gave Mary that choice. The point of all of this is to say that in Mary, in that moment, she was genetically, she was hereditary. She had everything set for her to say yes to her, whether she would say yes to the father or not whether she would say, be it unto me according to thy word. And I would say to you this morning that every single one of us was born for such a moment to say, be it unto me according to your words. See, the, the way that science would word this, this is from one of my favorite authors, Bill Bryson, who's a secular humanist. And he would say that in the theory of creation, that the fact that you are here is so lucky like literally, like you, Mike Colton, the fact that you are here, according to him, is just nothing but luck. But listen to the luck that he's suggesting here, that every one of your forebears on both sides had been attractive enough to find a mate, healthy enough to reproduce, and sufficiently blessed by fate and circumstances to live long enough to do so. Not one of your pertinent ancestors was squashed, devoured, drowned, starved, stranded, stuck fast, untimely wounded, or otherwise deflected from its life's quest of delivering a tiny charge of genetic material to the right partner at the right moment in order to perpetuate the only, listen, the only possible sequence of hereditary combinations that could result eventually, astoundingly, and all too briefly in you. And I would say to you that that is not the choice of the luck of the primordial ooze that crawled out of a pond somewhere that was you being designed from before the foundations of the earth. That for this moment and all too briefly, because the truth is you are genetically predisposed to doing certain things. There's no question that in the, in the terms of addiction that there are those that have a predisposition for it. It doesn't mean you don't have a choice in the matter. It just means that might be what Paul called your thorn in the flesh. So we all have those in it, but I would also say that not only on the negative side, but on the positive side, that there are things that you were born with, created with, destined for, that only you can do, period. And if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. The world misses out. And if you're young or if you're old, if you're still breathing this side of heaven, it is never too late to say, be it unto me according to your words. The story of Jesus is so beautiful because it starts with Mary, who's a teenager, and you got Elizabeth right in the middle of it, who was a senior citizen. Both of them said yes to the Father, and both of them were able to fulfill the plan of God in their life. Be it unto me according to your words. Do you trust the person giving you the words? 
Do you trust that this scientist is gonna be the one that has your best interest in mind? Do you trust that your technology company is gonna do what they said they would do with your information? Do you trust that your own inside meaning that I'm going to create is gonna be the right one? You guys that are young don't know this, but you that are older know this, that I look back at almost every phase of my life and think, I wish I would have known X at that point. I'm 47 and some change. And what I'm here to tell you is that doesn't stop. And I promise you, there's going to be a point where I'm gonna look back at this point in my life and say, boy, I wish I'd have known that. Until in heaven, when we say, I fully know as I am fully known, that is the only moment where we'll look back and say, oh, oh, now I got it. Don't trust. The, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. The advice to follow your heart is some of the worst advice you could ever get. And I promise you, if you go back and watch old reruns of American Idol and say, those are people that follow their heart, screeching. Because it wasn't what they were designed or created for. When I said last week, when I'm saying yes, what am I really saying yes to? What, what is the terms and conditions of, of this agreement that I have with my father, with Jesus? And Jesus in John chapter six, verse 29, he says, hey, th this is the work. They came to him and said, what are the works, plural, that my, to do the works of the father, what must I do? And he responded, this is the work, singular, to simply believe in the one who sent him or who he sent, believe in him, that's the work. And later in there, that same chapter, Jesus starts talking about the, the, what we talk about communion, my body broken, drink my blood, eat my flesh. And, and they're like, well, okay, that's enough of that. We're out and the disciples began to desert them. And he turned to those 12 who had been with him and said, are you gonna, are you gonna leave? Are you gonna leave me too? And Peter, God bless Peter, said, where else would we go? You are the one with words of life. It's true that the God that we serve took his own medicine. He became one of us. He went all the way. He didn't just become a human. He went all the way, became a human, and then died. He went all the way in so you could get all the way out. And you can trust a God that is that good. We can't trust technology companies because more and more and more, the leaders of those technology companies, they're bailing out on their own technology because they don't, they don't trust it. Our Father, we can trust him. And we can trust him because and only because we, of all the other claims of religion, there was only one who claimed that I would become a man. No other religion knows this. That I would live on the earth, that I would be crucified, that I would be raised again on the third day, just as the thousands of years of scriptures and prophecy foretold. Only one would do that, forever cementing his guarantee and his promise that what he said was not only good and kind, but it was true. Where else would we go? You have the words of life. On a super 100% practical level, okay, what does that mean if I'm Aiden and I'm 13 years old? What does that mean? 14. Sorry, dude. Esther, you start shaving, man. Um, at 14, what does that mean? Every day when you pray the same, just the same prayer every morning, Lord, be it unto me according to your will and then just go and love and do the words of the Father. It means that what, what are the words of our Father? They're recorded in Scripture. 
So I can say, whether it comes to my identity, whether it comes to my sexuality, whether it comes to the decisions I'm making, that not be it unto me according to my words, but be it unto me according to thy words. And then wake up every day with that kind of an obedience. And that kind of an obedience leads you, I promise you, this is the true story. When you say to God, I give you everything, uh, it's the Romans 12, I don't care prayer. You've heard me say it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred times more. The offer yourself as a living sacrifice is me just simply saying, God, I don't care. Whatever you want, I'll do. Be it unto me according to your words. And then in verse three, it says, and then you will know his will for your life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Mary saying, be it unto me according to thy words was a prayer that we can pray every day and then go do what's on God's heart for us to do that day, being it unto us according to his words. If there's a prayer for Christmas, if there's one thing that you could give Jesus for Christmas this year, and that might sound a little cheeky and a little cheesy, I mean, what do you get the guy that's got everything? The one thing he doesn't have, which is you. There's only one of me. The hereditary, the genetics, the whole thing, there's only one of me. I can give the God of the universe that, give it back to him, be it unto me according to thy word, I'm giving you me. The only combination of possibilities that ever became me, I'm giving back to you. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's our prayer this morning that the, where else would we go? You have the words of life. You prove that with Mary, that you, genetically, you, spiritually, you, the whole thing was all planned, and I believe with all my heart that just like Mary, that Jeremiah won, before the foundations of the earth, you knew us. Before we were in our mother's womb, you knew us, and you appointed us. Everybody in here has that story. And before you were born, I knew you. So today, Lord, as we head into Christmas, giving ourselves back to you. Do what you will with our bodies. Do what you will with our information, with our life, because we know we can trust you. We know that you're good, and we know that you've got our best interests in mind. Where else would we go? It's you that have the words of life, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.